0: Well, let's start by reading the passage, Daniel 9. And we're going to go all the way to verse 23, I think. I'll give you just a moment to turn there in your Bibles or look at the handouts that was provided for you at the front. Welcome, everyone. Daniel 9. In the first year of Darius the son of Ahasuerus, by descent to Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly, and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoken your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away and all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you, to the Lord, Our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he has spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled against us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written, in the law of Moses, all of this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake. O Lord, make your face to shine upon you, your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations are called by your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of the Lord stands forever. I will primarily spend my efforts this morning between verse three and verse 19 here. Though isn't verse 20 to 23 so sweet, the Lord hears our prayers, especially when he is the center of our prayers And I want to show you the four divisions of this passage of this prayer. And there's a little bit of alliteration here. So hopefully you appreciate it. If you think alliteration is cheesy, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, The first uh, is between verse one and verse four. Call this the address. The second acknowledge, and that's verse five to verse 11. The third, accept, that's verse 12 to 14. And lastly, from 15 to 19, anticipate. Address, acknowledge, accept, anticipate. By address, firstly, what I mean is this. It, it matters how you approach things. Notice know some of you are golfers in here. I hope some of you are golfers. It's the best game ever. Um, But it matters how you address the golf ball. If you plan on ever being halfway decent, you must have a proper setup. I'm a classical musician, same thing is true there. If I ever hope to play a single note that is perfect, that is good, or have any hope of doing so, it matters how I approach the instrument. I can study all sorts of crazy techniques. I can do a whole bunch of other things that are good things if I approach it rightly so the main point in this first section is is this O oh Lord the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love that's the main point everything in this first section drives there logically we have this uh, means Daniel is in in a lot of Trouble here. He sees that his city is desolate. He sees that his people, God's people more importantly, have been overrun by another power. And he is sensing a a moment, a potential for God's mercy to be poured out for his people. He turns to the Lord in prayer. So the means that he uses is is prayer. And he calls it, he uses the verb seeking here. Then I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking. How does he seek? by prayer, please of mercy, with fasting sackcloth and ashes." So in part, his approach is something like this. He, he realizes that he's in trouble and he just throws himself on the ground. You know, whatever the most humble act of our generation today would be, you know, perhaps you're a, a child or you, one of your children, they've messed up some, some way, they've broken the vase, they've, you know, thrown your golf clubs into the river, and instead of jumping into the river to go save them, they they in their terrible state. You know, maybe they fell in the mud in, the, in, the, in that effort. They just run to you. That's what, what Daniel's doing. He's saying, look, Lord, we've messed up. And I mean we've, particularly because it's not just a prayer for him. It's a prayer for all of his people. It's a corporate prayer. He realizes that God's people have messed up. They're dirty. Their sin is before them. So in ashes and in fasting and he, he, he drives, he focuses, focuses his attention on the Lord. He seeks him diligently in prayer. He does this as well. He does more than just seek, he makes confession. So there's many different ways we can pray. Last week there was a prayer of Thanksgiving, Paul, was there not? I thank God for these people. Look at your work in them, how good they are because of you, the Holy Spirit. Look at all these these reasons why I can be thankful for your people. There's prayers of uh, thanksgiving. There's prayers of praise. Uh, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows forth his handiwork. But here Daniel's praying a prayer of confession. Oh, Lord, I've messed up. He's going to unfold this, profession, this uh, confession. But first, he makes sure to, to praise the Lord, and he addresses him in praise. He acknowledges who he is. Notice these words here. Oh, Lord, the great and awesome God. We see his strength, his greatness in everything. The fact that there's the celestial beings, there's the sun and moon that he created, The earth that we stand on, he made it. The planets, the solar system, he made it. More impressively, I think, is he found a way to overcome our sinful hearts through Jesus Christ. And I bring up Jesus because he says this following, he keeps his covenant in steadfast love. It isn't Jesus Christ the fulfillment of that covenant keeping. Right? He said in his covenant that he will be our God and us his people. But there's a great enemy out there that prevents us from being his people sin. He's perfectly holy, he's perfectly good. When that his perfect light hits our darkness, it obliterates us, lest we have a mediator. Hence, our need for the, the, the Old Testament need for sacrifice to blot out all of your transgressions. See Leviticus 16. And it's fulfilled finally and fully in Jesus Christ on the cross, who the perfect lamb who was slain serves as our last and final most perfect sacrifice. He has kept the covenant. And not only has he done that on the cross, but there were additional benefits primarily this. He gave us the Holy Spirit that would enable us to continue living by God's grace. This is His power that must precede everything. It must be first. And Daniel's acknowledging the fact that it's His power that must come first in all times and everything, even in your confession. Too often, our address to God looks like this. Look at how terrible I am. This is the first thing we say. Look at sin X. Look at sin Y. Look at sin Z. I'm so sorry, but you've forgotten the first part of the confession, haven't you? Which is this. I serve a holy, perfect, great, and awesome God. You see, your confession means nothing unless you understand how much distance there is between God and you. Apart from God, you're, you're nothing. Dust, chaff, sticks. But we don't approach him alone. So we look at God's greatness. As new covenant Christians, we acknowledge that we rely on, upon Christ's power. And we rely upon the Holy Spirit. But we have to acknowledge who we serve first. And that's what... Daniel does here secondly we must acknowledge well look, like, acknowledge what I submit to you that the the main point in this section is this is found in it looks like verse six verse seven to you O Lord belongs righteousness so not only is the Lord great that's what I'm trying to get at here. But he's right in all his acts. Anything and everything that he does is good. Every judgment that he makes is the perfect judgment, he has no flaw. And I think this is the, the point that Daniel's trying to show us here. There's a, an adversative statement, you know, this is true, yet blank. There's a couple of them. In this section or a handful of them. Look at this. We have sinned, this is verse 5, and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. This is related to the main point. Yet, nevertheless, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. Let's go below the text. Another adversative, verse 9. Sorry, verse ten. Nine B. Here we go. For we have rebelled against him, yet, O oh Lord, belongs righteousness. And the curse and oath, verse eleven, that are written into the law of Moses. That belongs to us. Yet, or nevertheless, you are righteous. But why? Why is, it, why is he righteous? Well, because the covenant has covenant blessings and covenant curses. If you obey the Lord, you receive all of the benefits that belong to those who are part of his people. And you could go to Deuteronomy and just read it through. You're going to get the, the benefits and curses of being his people in the beginning of Deut- Deuteronomy, and you're going to get it at the end. You could also go to Exodus 20, and you're going to see the benefits of being his people and you're going to see the, the curses. The greatest benefit is this, being his, having communion with him. The greatest curse is having nothing to do with him. And so he chooses based off of his wisdom. He determines based on our lives whether or not we've been obedient, whether we've fulfilled the law, or whether we're found wanting. We acknowledge the truths that Daniel shows us. Verse 6, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets. And I suppose there aren't. (laughs) This sentence doesn't strike you the first time you, you read it the way it ought to. But you have to understand this, that covenants are broken after the first transgression. So, the fact that he goes on here, we've not listened to your servants, the prophets. And then he, he starts to give more details, who spoke in your name. So they're from him. They had a mission. They were faithful to that mission, teaching. And it was a a message that went to their kings, their princes, and their fathers, and to all of the people of the land. Everyone has heard, everyone has seen a messenger tailored for his people, received a message from God, not just to the kings, not just to the princes, but to all. And it's, it's a humbling sentence, because can't we identify with that? Don't we have a greater advantage than, than the Old Testament, the Old Covenant Christians? They didn't have a, a softened heart upon which the law was written, they didn't have the benefits of the Holy Spirit living in them. They had sacrifices that only lasted, say for a few hours. And they had to continually kill animal after animal to atone for their sins. But we don't have to worry about that. The final sacrifice has been made for us in Jesus Christ. And yet still, we, we find ourselves in disobedience. So, uh, this, this sentence hits me particularly hard. I mean, it's like there's, you know, sometimes I teach uh, music lessons or I, I'm hoping I don't teach anymore anytime soon, but I, I, I've taught over 100 students or so, being conservative, very conservative, it's probably closer to 200. And one of the saddest things as a teacher is, is this, you, you, you sit a student down, it's one-on-one, it's an hour, you meet weekly, and you say, if you do A and B, C will happen. And a lot of times, students are stubborn. They don't want to do A, they don't want to do B. And then, as a teacher, you say, well, I didn't get through to them, so I'm gonna try and get through to them another way. And so you try another tactic, another approach in your teaching, and then, They still refuse, and then you try another, so on and so forth. Well, this this truth should hit us really hard because the heavens do declare God's glory. Not one prophet, not two prophets, but many prophets God has sent to his people. People who were of royal descent, people who were not, people who were shepherds, people who were kings, and they still didn't listen. And how is it that sentences like this doesn't like just, just, just get us? But surely we have a library downstairs, which if you spend time in, you could get whatever you want. These are prophets, teachers, showing you how good God is. So then it's right, in this moment, and for anyone God so chooses, to find any one of us guilty of transgressing the, the covenant because to us, does, it, we have to acknowledge that we, we deserve open shame, we've fallen short. Thirdly, after we've made the proper address, praising God for his great glory, after we have acknowledged the great distance between his greatness, his goodness, his ability to have steadfast love for his people that never fails and our proneness to wander. Thirdly, we accept. We accept the, the, the judgment. We accept our place. We accept what the Lord has given us in this moment. And in the Old Testament, most many times this looks like a nation taking over Israel. Perhaps if Israel is in, in the right and the Lord is persecuting another country that's, or people group that's been particularly sinful, maybe there are plagues, maybe there are locusts. But whatever it is, the Lord's acts are righteous. And in our confession, after we've acknowledged that we deserve open shame and that he's righteous, Therefore, there's this, will, this willingness to accept whatever he is, so chooses to give to us. And I suppose this is difficult for, for people in 2022 in the West. We think that we're, we're in control of our destiny. And if anything gets in the way of our plan and our, our means for taking care of ourselves, then there must be something wrong with the other but God is in control. God says, well, I I do with my people and my creatures what I will. If it is true that he's praiseworthy for what he's created and for his might and his power, his brilliance, and that he's righteous altogether and we are not, then it's also true that we ought to accept whatever he's given us. And in particular, we should accept and maybe a point of application. Whatever means he chooses to use to humble us. There are some of us in, in the room that I think there's enough people in here where this might be true. You fall into the category of you're present, but your heart really isn't willing to accept any gospel truth. To you, my message is is quite simple. Thanks for being here. But my friend know that there's something greater out there than whatever you serve for others you might simply just be ignorant you don't know much about the faith and there's enough people in this room where that might also be be true of at least one person in here but you are teachable and i think the teachable moment here is is this the lord will bring you to himself if he chooses through a wide range of means your life doesn't have to be perfect You don't have to come to him just because of something good. It could be the nation, the persecution of a foreign nation over a people that causes you to pray a prayer to rely upon the Lord. Your suffering today might be a benefit to someone else. Isn't it true that the Lord uses all sorts of terrible things to bring people closer to him? You know, there's story after story of, of pastors. This is on my mind because of, of, of a lecture um, yesterday. Uh, pastors who, you know, because of their work ethic and there they, is well-placed effort, but they didn't sleep. And then because of their sleep deprivation, they got sick. Because of their sickness, they realized their weakness. And because of their weakness, that turns them to reliance upon the Lord. The Lord could, Use something that doesn't look good to you, something that turns, him, turns you back to him. It could be a car accident. It could be a number of illnesses. And it could rightfully come to you as a result of your sin. But the Lord uses these things for your good. He doesn't have to work in a way that looks pleasant to you, in other words, to show his glory. So we, we accept the truth. And the main point, in this third section is this, verse 14, therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and brought it upon us. It is the right response to our sin in keeping the covenant. I say that because in verse 12 it says this, he has confirmed his words. Which words? The words in the covenant. The words that he spoke against us by means of his prophets, In verse 13, he shows that it was written in the law of Moses. And yet, another adversative, we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, showing our open rebellion. Accept your open rebellion, in other words. Not only did he send prophets, but he gave you the law of Moses. This is a big law. He showed us how to live through that law. And we know as New Covenant believers that it was a brutal law to to fulfill perfectly, we couldn't. But nonetheless, that gift was a good gift to his people. Fourthly, we ought to anticipate. The main point here is found in verse 19. So everything that comes before it drives towards that point. It says this, O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O oh my God. A couple of the highlights here is, is, is this. Daniel seems to have an understanding of God that anticipates his relent of the judgment that he has rightly poured out. And I think there's something surprising in here for us because this is where I think most of our confessions go wrong. They go wrong at the beginning, they go wrong at the end. At The beginning, we fail to acknowledge how great God is. At the end, we fail to realize the telos, the end goal of the confession itself. Verse the end of verse 19, here's the end. This is why he should act, why he should forgive. Your city and your people are called by your name. That's shocking. How many of us, when we're found in sin and we need to confess something before our Lord? How many times do do we (laughs) we confess something like, like this? Oh Lord, I've done wrong. Forgive me, so I can feel better again. (laughs) So so you can feel better again, okay? Um, (laughs) Or, Lord, I've sinned, so that my marriage can be better again. Lord, I've sinned, so that I can be right with my boss again. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Daniel does Daniel doesn't even pray, Lord, forgive, so that we may be prosperous again like we were in the past. That we may be safe again. Because he has this, he already knows that that comes with it. But this is his primary focus. This is what he keeps first. Your city and your people are called by your name. Your, your, your. But our <laughs> confessions so that I, I, I. Or maybe you've hurt someone. Lord, hear my confession, forgive me, so that they can do something for me. I think that's particularly wicked. But notice Daniel's focus. Your city, your people, bless them because you've made it known to the world that, they're called, that they belong to you. The logic is, is this, if your people and your city are terribly persecuted, if it's clear that you've turned your back on them, what does that say about you whose characteristic is to be gracious and merciful and be forgiving? He anticipates for another reason as well. He, he has reason historically to anticipate this forgiveness. Look at verse 12. Sorry, that's, that's way off. Verse 15. I have glasses that I normally wear. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now, O Lord, our God, qualifier, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt How did he do that? With a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself. In other words, Lord, we know that we've sinned. We have done wickedly. But if you could bring this nation that's small compared to Egypt, if you could deliver your people out of that situation, if you could cause all of these plagues to turn the the heart of Pharaoh for a split moment, and if you could part seas and erect a pillar of fire and protect your people day and night, cause them to have rest in the midst of their enemies, help them to to not fear the valley of death, if you're that God, then you're also the God who can offer forgiveness. I don't know how it's going to happen. This is from Daniel's perspective. Don't know how it's gonna happen, but if you can do that, then you can forgive and show your name, to make your name great once again, even though our hearts are just perpetually evil. But to show that you are one who continues in steadfast love, whose love never runs dry, whose bubbling brook of life never ceases to run, then you can offer forgiveness. We have the great benefit of looking back on this side of the cross to this prayer, because we, we have more confidence, I think, or we should have more confidence than the Daniel, because we've we've seen more, we know more, we have more revelation, and our, you know it's. A sad but glorious story to consider that though our hearts are perpetually prone to do e- wickedness and evil, all of that sin from all of eternity and all the way to the future till the second coming, all of that sin was placed on Jesus Christ and paid for on the cross. We we ought to have confidence in that. So whereas it might be difficult for Daniel to see the lights at the end of the tunnel, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, somehow he gets there. We certainly should be the first, even more so than Daniel, to pray a confession of prayer. Maybe this is just one example of a proper confession, but it's more than what we can do ourselves. It's one example of a a confession. So my, my hope for all of you today is is, is this. My prayer for all of you is is this, that you learn to address God rightly. You take great care to address your boss rightly, your wife rightly, your children rightly, your mom and dad rightly, your grandparents rightly. You think a lot about perfecting your your golf stroke your perfect alignment if you're a football player your perfect stance why don't you also add into that and perhaps put it on top the importance of addressing God rightly acknowledge who he is he's great, he's awesome he's altogether lovely his steadfast love never, never fails and he keeps his covenant even when we break the covenant address him rightly acknowledge just how far short we we, 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 we we come to the line. He requires perfection, and we're not perfect. We had the benefit of reliance upon the Holy Spirit who regenerates the heart, who sanctifies us. Praise God. But we st- in, our, in and of ourselves, we still fall short. We're only made perfect in the eyes of the Father because of Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit and it's by his power and by his strength that we have that right. Thirdly, we accept. We accept this reality. We do fall short. We have been redeemed. But we, we still are unfinished. That work of regeneration, of sanctification is motored by this paradigm, just knowing who God is and knowing who we are and keeping our eyes on glory and making sure that we stay humble before him, ever conf- confessing our sins. Not in despair, so we have confidence, he will bring us to the end. But this is the state that we, we, we remain in and we anticipate. In part, this anticipation has already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But it's going to be ultimately fulfilled at the second coming. But there's not going to be any more need to continually confess your sins. Every tear will be wiped away. Every infirmity in your body will be restored. Every problem with our earth will be restored. The new kingdom will be established. Why? Sin has been blotted out. The Lord our God has come back to reign and to make all things new. If there are any Christians in here, I really hope that I hope that you you find the humility, whatever is there, to to soften your heart and speak with a Christian friend, or to open up the Scriptures. Perhaps to pray for a softer heart, pray for the Holy Spirit. You can't bring yourself to God, so I can't tell you to do that, but pray, and perhaps God, who is mercy, the fount of all mercy will be merciful upon you and soften your heart and turn you towards the Lord. For those of you who have fallen away over and over and over again, yes, from the outsider, would be like, they would say, "Are you sure you're a Christian?" If they were watching your life, would they ask that question? If if you fall into that category, know that the Lord's not surprised by your sin. He knows that shame belongs to you, but yet mercy is right there at the door. Call out to him. He'll hear. He'll open the door. His mercy will wash away whatever needs to be washed away for believers in this room. Make sure that you find yourself in the place of Daniel. He doesn't just pray this prayer for himself, but he prays it for God's people. You see the brokenness in the world. Confess your sins and theirs. You're not strong enough to handle it on your own. You need to rely upon God's strength. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are great. we're not. But we thank you that it's that way. Because for... You alone, you're... You alone are God. You're the God of gods. So we thank you for who you are. And we thank you that we've been... made pleasing in your sight through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to humble ourselves, because... Humility comes through your spirit. That's a saving grace. Help us to have faith. That comes from you too. That's a saving grace. Help us to truly repent. That comes from you. That's a saving grace. Holy Spirit, work powerfully in us. All to the glory of Christ. Amen.